You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Well, today I have a special guest with me on the podcast, and he's also going to be joining us for another future episode. But today we've got Mr. Kevin Gabriel. Kevin, say hi. Hello. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, it's great to have you um, with us uh, today as we just discuss life and we discuss where you and your and your family are headed in how many do you have do you have a like a, a, a countdown like a day countdown well it's two days less than a month two days I less guess. than a month okay. i don't know how many days that is <laughs> it is coming up soon yeah. just beyond christmas so uh anyways uh, a little bit of introduction about who who kevin is and and how i how i know kevin i've known kevin ever since i think i met you at your wedding Yep. Um, which was, you guys have been married for how long? So it was 2013. So about eight and a half years. Eight and a half. That was eight and a half years ago. It was. Oh, wow. Feels like yesterday. <laughs> I still remember the roast beef. Yeah, it was good. Was it roast beef? I think so. I think so. I didn't get to eat much of it. No. Well, I mean, when you're the groom, it's yeah. like, you know, you got to do that whole kiss thing. Anyways. So, <laughs> but our, our history goes back a little further than that because, um, cause your wife has been friends of mine and Cassandra, my wife's, uh, for, for years. And also, um, your brother-in-law is one of my best friends. So we've got some connections there we and, do. and it's been, uh, it's been really cool to have you here the last several months in Canada and to spend a little bit more time with uh, with you guys and hearing about where you're going. So without any further ado, why don't you tell us a little bit about you guys yeah. and what you're doing, where you're headed in um, in those two days short of a month um, period, Very precise. period of time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, take it away, man. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I'm Kevin. My wife is Christine uh, and we've got Two kids, uh, Owen, who is just shy of two, and Eliana, who is about three months old. And so, yeah, I, I grew up in Canada, um, born in Saskatchewan, and then moved out to the Toronto area when I was 14. Um, my wife was born in Scarborough, and so she's from this area mm. as well. But uh, her family comes from Dublin uh, in the Republic of Ireland. That's where her parents were both born and raised, and that's where she lived as a child as well. So, awesome. so that's kind of where we come from. Yeah. Um, like you said, yeah, we got married in 2013. So we, we met, um, we were both going to college together out on the east side of Toronto, mm-hmm. um, involved in campus ministry. That's how we met each other uh, while we were, we, we got to teach a Bible study together, which was a pretty good way to get to know each other. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, so we got married in 2013. And at that time, we were kind of thinking ministry was probably the next stage. Uh, we were thinking probably overseas work. Um, originally, so my wife is a trained nurse. I was studying to be a doctor. And mm. uh, yeah, just as I started getting involved in, in campus ministry, started teaching more, just realizing that the Lord was giving desires. And that was starting to be affirmed through our church as far as gifting. Um, and so we thought, yeah, well, the next stage is probably just training in some way. 
And so we moved down to, to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, or if you want to say it like the locals do, Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. Just, just say Louisville, but pretend your mouth is full of marbles. Oh, Louisville. Louisville. That's right. Very, right. Good. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So we moved there in 2015 uh, for me to go to seminary. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of a little bit about us, just the background. You want me to jump into the future? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Take it, Take us to the future. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So like I said, we were thinking overseas somewhere yeah. at that point, probably, um, while I was in university, I had read let the nations be glad by mm-hmm. John Piper. And that was a big, just turning point for me. I thinking through the need of the nations, the, yeah. those who are unreached, um, as well as, uh, if you have read it, you know, kind of one of the big things that he says is that the end goal of the world isn't missions, it's worship, uh, wow. that missions exists because worship does not. And, and uh, worship will endure into the eternity and missions is a means that others may worship. And so that really kind of captured, um, that was a way I had never heard missions presented before. Um, and just realizing that the goal of this is more worshipers of Christ. And so... Yeah, so we, we were thinking probably overseas somewhere. So we uh, we moved down to Louisville, like I said, in, in 2015. And uh, we joined a great church down there, Emmanuel Baptist Church. And in the Lord's providence, they were sending a mission trip to Ireland the next year in 2016. Um, we had just sent out as a church some missionaries two years before that there. And so they were sending just a team to go and encourage the folks over there and yeah. spend time with his family. And Somehow, we still don't know how, our missions pastor found out that my wife was Irish and said, hey, would you guys be willing to go on this trip? Like, we yeah. kind of know a little bit about the the culture and just could speak into that a little bit. And so, yeah, so that was our first time there. It was in 2016. Um, and the Lord really used that trip just to give us a, a desire and a burden to be ministering there. Um, obviously, when people hear the word Ireland, they probably don't generally think of missions. Um, All of us, our association with Ireland, well, it's usually things like, you know, potatoes and leprechauns and St. Patrick and rolling green hills and all that kind of good stuff. And and rain. And rain. Yeah, there's lots of that there too. (laughs) Um, But probably one of the main other associations we would have would be religion. I mean, Ireland, most people know it as a very deeply religious country, uh, a Catholic country, Roman Catholic. Um, and, and that's true, uh, but that really has started to change in the last generation. Uh, so even in like the 60s, it was about over 95% Catholic, the country. Oh, wow. And now the, the most recent um, census, which I think was in 2016, it's down to about 60% Catholic. So they dropped an incredible amount over that amount of time, over one generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that has been due to just the, the abuse that has happened and that has been unearthed in the, in the Catholic Church, unfortunately, yeah. over the last years. Uh, obviously, that's happened all over the world. Um, but it's been particularly concentrated in Ireland. Just, just a lot of, of really terrible things that have happened and that mm-hmm. have really disenfranchised kind of the whole country as a whole over organized religion, uh, religious authority and leadership. Um, so, so especially the younger generation have just largely turned away from organized religion. Um, mm. it's, it's now actually the most unreached English speaking country in the world. Wow. So it's 0.5% evangelical. Uh, so you line up 200 people. One of those people claims to be an evangelical Christian in the Republic of Ireland. So, 
So just a very deeply needy place, um, not only for you know sharing the gospel for evangelism, but also for church planting. There's just very, very few churches preaching the gospel in the country. And so, yeah, we just started learning about that, uh, kind of on that trip there, seeing that um, I think the rose-colored glasses came off in many ways. Uh, yeah. You know, many people would think of Ireland as an idyllic place. Who wouldn't want to live there? Yeah, let's be a missionary there or Hawaii, you know, like yeah. one of those two yeah, places, yeah. right? right. But, but just seeing the day-to-day life of a missionary there, uh, seeing uh, the soil is very hard. Mm-hmm. There's There's very little progress forward it feels like it's just slow hard work um like many other places in the world that are ex-religious so you think of a place even in our context here in canada like like quebec yeah um an ex-catholic place where ministry is just very hard and slow because people have seen jesus and they're done with that at that point now i've i've heard that like um that a lot of missions organizations have tried doing work there Mm. like uh the one i used to work for um has tried doing work there but because of that um there was a there was there was burnout Mm. there was um just um you know uh enough discouragement because Mm. they weren't in there for the long haul um to to really continue to see things to see things grow but Mm. your experience has been like um as you've told me in the past like there's a number of great missions organizations that are that are there currently Mm. right that are that are doing that, that long haul process. Yeah, I think so. Like a lot of the larger agencies are not doing work there. And I think part of that's just, you have to allocate your resources and choose where you're going to do that. But many larger organizations are now doing most of their work in the 1040 window Mm -hmm. for good reason. There's a lot of unreached people there. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot more fruit being seen there in many Mm -hmm. places. I, I remember I took a missions class at seminary a few years ago and, the professor who had a really good understanding of just kind of globally what's going on in the world of missions said, you know, the easiest place to be a missionary right now, as far as fruit is Iran. That's where we're seeing the most people come to know the Lord. The hardest place is France because there's, it feels like there's just nothing happening in a place like that. So, and you would extend that, he would extend that to quite a bit of Europe, which is very, very difficult. So I think a lot of, People, yeah, they we we even talking with the pastors in Ireland, yeah. uh, that we know many of them have seen missionaries come there, stay for a few years, and then it's just hard work, and they've left uh, mm-hmm. because because of just how difficult and slow the work is there. But yeah, we've seen some really encouraging work. Um, a lot of the good work that's happened in the last generation has just been from within. Mm-hmm. the indigenous Irish folks that are just f- serving faithfully there day in and day out. So wow. where we're going, we're going to Cork, which is the second largest city in the yeah. Republic. Um, and kind of the story of the work in that area is just really encouraging about, about 30 years ago, this little Baptist church called Cork Baptist. They had, I think at the time about 15 members. Wow. Um, so this is about 30 years ago. And uh, the church, the congregation actually dates back to the 1600s. It's one of the, oldest Baptist churches congregations in the world that's still wow. in existence, like top five, uh, according to uh, Dr. Michael Haken, who's a professor at Heritage, probably some people will know yeah. his name. He's yeah. in, in Canada here. But um, yeah, so so they just, they started gaining a vision for planting other churches in the area. And 
the Lord has really blessed that slow but faithful work. There's now 10 churches that are part of the network. Um, some of those already existed and joined with them, uh, but most of them are new church plants in the last 30 years uh, the, that are just serving faithfully in that area of Cork and then kind of the, the surrounding county as well. Um, and yeah, just serving faithfully, laboring, sharing yeah. the gospel with our neighbors, um, preaching the gospel day by day on Sundays. And, yeah. and so the Lord has really blessed just that slow work of faithfulness there. And, and we're excited to join in with that work. So what, what organization are you, are you guys going over with? How did you get connected with them? Um, yeah. um, you talked, you talked a little bit about that, but, um, what was it about this organization? What was it about reaching, reaching in, um, it's reaching and teaching, yep. um, that just, you were like, this is the one, this is the one for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So reaching and teaching came out of our seminary where I, where I studied mm-hmm. at Southern seminary in, in Louisville. Um, and it's a fairly small missions organization. Uh, when they started, they mainly did short-term training trips for pastors overseas, um, especially in Latin America and some places like that. But over the last few years, they've started sending more long-term missionaries as well. Um, What really drew us to the agency, I guess maybe two things. One would be just theologically, we line up with them on Mm -hmm. on everything. Uh, We, and they, they tend, they have a fairly intense process for becoming a missionary and you generally have to agree with them on everything theologically to, to, to line up with them. I don't mean little small things that it's good for us to be able to disagree on and still have unity in a church, but, but major issues, uh, you really need to agree with them. And, and, and that's intentional for the sake of creating unified teams overseas. Um, if they are sending you a teammate, they want to make sure that that person lines up with you theologically and also methodologically because yeah. the world of missions a lot of times can get a little messy with you know people just doing pragmatically what works better rather sure. than really seeking to be faithful to scripture. So so that was the first thing was just we aligned with them in everything theologically. Um, and then the other thing was they have a, a really strong focus on the role of the local church in missions. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the president, Ryan Robertson, described it to us during our first interview was, you know, if if the local church is the bride, we are the bridesmaid. We don't see ourselves. The day is not about us. Yeah, missions is not about us. We yeah. we are here just to help make sure the day goes smoothly and to make the bride look pretty. And mm-hmm. so, and that's the way that reaching and teaching approaches the world of missions is. You're sending church and you're receiving church. They're the ones who are telling you what to do. You yeah. are under their authority and their leadership. The elders that are there. And we are just here to kind of help steward the process, you know, give accountability and oversight for finances, support you in ways that maybe the church doesn't have the resources to do that. But uh, yeah, really highlighting the role of the church overseas. And that was just a, a, I mean, I think we agree with that theologically um, as well as just, yeah, so it's just encouraging to be part of an agency that really supports that and, and that sees that as the centerpiece of missions is not just you know, evangelism, but through the local church yeah. uh, as it's being done. Oh, that's awesome. So what is your role specifically? Um, what will you and Christine do when you show up yeah. in Cork? Yeah, so there's two main areas that we will be serving. So the first, just kind of lining up with what I was just talking about, will just be local church ministry. Uh, so we will be joining a church called Douglas Baptist Church uh, that was planted by Cork Baptist, which was the one that I mentioned. So that kind of mother church that started this this church planting network, uh, this is one of their plants. Uh, we'll be joining and just serving, living life with those believers and serving them as we are able. Um, 
I will be doing some preaching and teaching at the church. Uh, Christine will be serving with the gifts that she has. Uh, she's particularly gifted in mercy and in mm. hospitality. And so mm. serving with those gifts, connecting with women and, and serving you know, the kids and uh, hopefully having people in our home and being involved in different ministries that the church has. And so that will really be the primary day-to-day work uh, is through that local church serving uh, alongside them. And then the other big thing would be there's a small Bible college over there that um, started about eight years ago uh, called Munster Bible College. So it's kind of serving that area of Ireland. And uh, I will be helping out with that Bible college, uh, hopefully doing some teaching in the future, as well as um, just helping with some student support, um, you know, providing academic support for students, maybe doing some recruitment just to help other folks in the area, other believers know about it and encourage them to study there. And so I have a background working in higher education for the last few years. So yeah, I'm really excited just to be doing some teaching and helping out with that college however I can as well. So those will kind of be the two big things. Um, I, I should say, I mean, obviously we are eager to be involved in evangelism yeah. and with reaching out to our neighbors and yeah. others that the Lord puts in our path. But we do recognize that as workers coming from overseas, it's always nationals that are most effective at reaching their friends and neighbors yeah, and family. Sure. And so I think our role and the bulk of our energy will be given more towards kind of that training and discipleship side of things uh, where we are training and discipling uh, the local believers and then they will then be more effective in reaching their friends and neighbors around them and family. Um, and so so we, we are eager to be involved in those ways but also recognize that they will be the ones who will be most effective. So we'll probably give them majority of our time towards that discipleship and training aspect of the work over there. That's great. So what do you what do you think when you think of what your time is going to look like over there once you guys get there. What, what do you think will be the um, the most challenging aspects mm. of your ministry? Um, I guess I guess something that we can be praying for mm. for you guys um, in that in that transition. But what what do you think would be the most the most challenging part of part of what you're going to be doing that that we can be praying for? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, I think initially probably the biggest challenge will be, you know, most missionaries, when they move overseas, their first term, so, you know, two or three years, is just spent language learning Mm. um, because most of them are learning the local language where they go. And so they're not generally involved in a ton of ministry day by day. They're not, you know, preaching or teaching um, because they're just trying to learn the language so they can do that Mm. effectively and, and learn the culture. Obviously, language and culture are tied really intimately. For us, it looks really different because we're going to a place where English is spoken. Mm. And so we won't have that natural period of language and Mm. culture learning Mm. that someone else would have that's going to a place where they have to learn a different language. And in some ways, too, like um, you're saying um, that Christine's family, like her extended family, is Mm -hmm. is like, what, an hour and Uh, About three hours. Oh, okay. So, so, So still a little bit of space, but... But, um, but, she, but she at least has had, she has experience mm-hmm. like, like in this country. And it's, yeah. So we definitely do come in with a more cultural knowledge than perhaps yeah. the average person would because of my wife's family. They're very culturally Irish and her extended yeah. family still all live in Ireland, but there's still just, you know, even in talking with other missionaries who have moved there from North America, they have yeah. expressed things like 
regret over jumping into ministry too quickly within the mm. first week, few weeks mm. of being there and realizing they just didn't understand the cultural norms. They didn't understand the ways that, you know, they communicated like North Americans do, yeah. which Irish people communicate very differently. It's a much more indirect culture um, where you're, yeah. So, so just learning to communicate in those kinds of ways and not assume that they're North Americans right. because they speak English. <laughs> right. And so I think that's going to be a big challenge for us is just learning yeah. kind of those cultural norms there. And so we've been working with our agency as well as with the pastors there just to think through wise paths to go through of probably taking the first few months. I mean, the first few months are just going to be a lot of paperwork and, you know, setting up life in a new country mm-hmm. and then, and then just kind of slowly integrating into ministry. Once we've taken some time to really intentionally sit and learn and hear from our brothers and sisters over there mm. and listen to preaching over there and see how, how do people communicate in this culture? Um, <clears throat> you know, both from a preaching standpoint, but also from just a day-to-day interpersonal interactions with each other. And so, yeah, so I think that would be just one particular way that you know you can even be praying for us as we go is just that we would be good listeners and learners. And mm-hmm. you know, North American missionaries often have a bad rap of going overseas and thinking they know how to do things, and we yeah. we don't want to do that. We want to listen and learn and understand that culture and learn ways to communicate love and communicate the message of Christ in a way that speaks to that culture mm-hmm. rather than assuming that they're North Americans. So yeah, so that would be just even over these next months as we're making that transition, that would be a great way that you can be praying for us as we, as we transition. That's great. Now, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Would that be through the reaching and teaching website or? Yeah. So you can find my email on there. Um, The email's easy to remember. It's just kevin.gabriel at rtim.org, reaching and teaching international ministries. Um, But yeah, if you search like Google, Kevin and Christine, Reaching and Teaching. Yeah. There's a little page for us on the website, and I'm pretty sure my email's on there. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So so that's uh, rtim.org if you want to know more information, not just about what Kevin and Christine are involved in, but even if you want to know more information about what uh, this this ministry is all about and, and the different things that they're doing around the world, um, that is at rtim.org. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, your time with us and... And we will be praying for you. This is an exciting, this is an exciting time for you guys. Yeah, we're thankful for you guys and your support. Yeah, wonderful.